Gen Xers survived secondhand smoke, rode bikes without helmets, played outside until dark, traveled across the country without wearing seatbelts. Well, I know I did. And we're the human TV remote. We may have less days ahead of us, but we can make them the best days. Welcome to turn positivity into possibility, where you'll be motivated to get off the couch, eat responsibly, and create the life you love. I'm life fitness coach Dane Boyle. I've been helping Gen X badasses add years to their lives for over 25 years. Listen in Monday through Friday and be sure to grab your daily Danish. It's time to wake up and be amazing and be the badass you were born to be. Gen X badasses, welcome to turn positivity into possibility. And here's the beauty. For those of you who came back about episode 198, I think after I'd taken about a 60-day hiatus on podcasting, the format is a little bit different now as we open up and we're going to help Gen Gen X badasses get off the couch, eat responsibly, create the life they love, and add years to life, which then allows me to not just be a solo artist here, invite amazing humans to join us. And today, I want... Sure, I will probably screw up your last name. So pronounce your last name. Antwerp? Dan Antwerp. Oh, my gosh. Iowans. I don't know. (laughs) But either way, I figured I was going to probably screw up Sherry's last name. But I want to welcome Sherry, who is officially known as the Gen X Whisperer. That's exciting. Thank you, Dane. I'm happy to be here today. Welcome. So Sherry and I had some conversations off camera a while back. I'm like, sure, I'd love to bring you in and just have a conversation. Gen X to Gen X to whoever's listening as a Gen X, right? Right. So kind of inter- can you introduce yourself, kind of tell the world who you are a little bit? Yeah. So uh, my Instagram handle is the underscore Gen X underscore whisperer. Uh, so it's really, I, you know, kind of got into working, especially with a lot of women, um, some men too, Mm -hmm. originally as you did, Dane, kind of through fitness coaching and everything. I have um, a background in that arena as well. But in full transparency, it just never felt right to me because I found that when I was working with people, it really wasn't as much about what they were eating or what particular workout that they were doing as much as it was what's going on, you know, 100% up here. And I know like we're on the same page with that. So I really kind of transitioned and became more of, um, I call it like a transformational guide is what right. I call it. Cause I don't really like the term coach. Uh, cause I feel like coach sometimes <clears throat> is more about, you know, cheering, you know, inspiring, which I, I like to do too, but guide right. is, is feels more like I'm walking side by side you, um, and helping you through this wilderness <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's out there. So I'm, uh, really having a lot of fun, uh, focusing on working with this Gen X crowd because, you know, I'm, I'm one of them. I was born right. in 1969, uh, and I really do like to approach everything, though, that I do in terms of like working with clients and even just social media with a heavy dose of fun as well, uh, because, you know, I feel like if you can't laugh at your situation, <laughs> sometimes it's very bleak. Um, I would agree. too. And, and of course, being Gen X, like sarcasm is one of our love languages. Oh, so. uh, <laughs> that needs to be added to the next book of the five love languages. Right? Sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> No, no. I I like to have fun. I don't take life too seriously. And that's always what I tell my clients, actually, too, when we're working together. It's like, look, this treat this as like having coffee um, with with 
a best friend right. and just kind of working through things that way versus um I'm a professor. Let me teach you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, see, I like that too, because it's about building the relationship, right? And when you totally. laugh a little, maybe you cry a little, but the idea is that you yeah. build that relationship. So you know, when your client, what's going on in their life and their kids and their parents. And as a Gen X or two, our parents are aging. And so that can be a burden too, right? Oh, you know? for sure. Yeah. We're, we're in that middle ground of some of us are, you know, empty nesters and uh, some of us still have kids at home, but have right. parents, you know, those boomer parents aging into their 70s, um, later 70s, especially, and all of the, you know, issues that can come along with with trying to help them when they don't right. always want our help. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. So, I mean, so we're all in the kind of a transitional state, right? So even in kind of my normal intro, it says we have more days behind us than we have ahead of us, but we can make them ultimately the best days, right? Cause you've lived, you've loved, you've lost and all those things. And hopefully we can learn from them. And yeah. that's where we are. I was, I think I was checking out your Instagram stories. And so they're kind of the spoof. Cause it's about Halloween when we're recording. Well, after Halloween, I guess we're recording this, but the Halloween costumes where you get to put your own and you put Gen X mom. Yeah. Did you remember that? And I, I screenshot, it says, Comes with sarcasm, so you already got, mentioned that's a love language. Movie quotes, okay. So, do you have a favorite, like John Hughes movie quote, or what is your movie quote that you? I don't know. Like I just um, randomly. If you have fragile ears, cover them. <laughs> Shitter's full. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm an RV guy, so. <laughs> I mean, is there a better hol holiday movie than Christmas Vacation? <laughs> no, it, it has. To, it's on repeat. It's like a Wonderful Life, which is very sweet. And yeah. then the more modern version, right? So here, here's Gen X parenting at its best, right? So I, I introduced my kids to, you know, Christmas vacation, you know, fairly early on in their life and everything. And so now that even though like they're all grown and flown, the tradition is still on the like afternoon, evening of Thanksgiving, we all watch Christmas vacation. Oh, I love that. You know? <laughs> But now my son, who who has a one year old, he's like, yeah, we we might have to, you know, postpone, you know, we might have to put Christmas vacation on hold for a few years. And I'm like, he's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is kind of funny. So even in a silly note, so I grew we grew up with my kids going to live music, mm. and I never once thought to have. Oh yeah. Hearing protection at all. And so I watch my grandkids go and they're dancing. They always hearing hearing protection like. Oh man, was I a crappy parent, or I just didn't know any better? No, nobody did that. Like you, you no. do what what you know, and nobody did that. For then. sure. Yeah. But you know, at the same, so it's you talk about so maybe the baby's not really ready to watch a Christmas vacation. Well, first yeah. of all, at one, they're not paying attention. At five, right. they don't really understand. <laughs> they don't always understand all the adult humor, right? Yeah. yeah. But our yeah. whole thing with that was, I can remember my daughter was probably fifteen or sixteen, and she said something. She said used a four letter word. And I was like, excuse me? And she's like, mom said, if it's the only word that's appropriate, you should use it. And her mom said, I probably told her that when she was six. <laughs> so, so again, you just got to teach. Look, I drop a lot of F-bombs. I, yeah. you know, I have to be told when kids are around that maybe I should clean up my mouth. But I guess if that's the worst thing I do in the world, it's, I'm doing okay, right? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right. So music taste. Did you have your kids grow up with 80s tunes or what was your, what was your oh. jam? 
Oh yeah, they they grew up with '80s tunes. Although I didn't, I never like forced it upon them. But yeah, they they can respect some decent '80s music. <laughs> Although it does pain me yet when they're like, I talk about you know some artists and they're like, yeah, no, you know, like when Maverick came out, they hadn't watched Top Gun. I'm like, what? what? You failed them. I failed them, obviously. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, that's so, that's funny. But I mean, I think that's, that is really ultimately, it's just part of the guidance of what we do. Right. So you said sarcasm, movie quotes, musical audacity, sense of humor. I think I'm damn funny. I know you're funny. So, right. <laughs> and even though the <laughs> distrust of authority that definitely comes with being a Gen Xer. Right. And here's the one I laughed at the most, because if somebody throws me a set of keys, it doesn't matter if it's a stick shift or not. Now, you know, where I struggle looking for the damn button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like pushing, because I have a 2015 Toyota truck, so I still have a key. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tanya's new fancy Mazda doesn't have, it just pisses me off all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because I don't even know how to put that the emergency brake. Are you supposed to put on the emergency brake? I, I have no, I have no idea. I have no idea. So what would you have said, compare your parenting style with perhaps what you see of your children or that generation? Would you say they're different? Um, well, you know, like since my grandson's only one, I haven't I haven't seen True. a whole lot of of like how they're going to parent. But you know, I do. I, it, it's interesting. Like I, I was we were talking about this again, and I said, you know, I don't I don't know if I I would be cut out <laughs> honestly <laughs> for for it today. But I, I mean, I think change is always you know good, and and everyone is obviously learning and. Sure and shifting and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I see, you know, a different style that's, that's emerging and, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you don't ever know. I don't think that one generation is inherently worse than the other. I think that every, the previous generation always thinks the new one is screwing stuff up. Yeah. And and, you know, it's it's so interesting because I think, you know, with our generation and especially, you know, with women from our generation, from Gen X, it's, it's very fascinating because the women I work with and talk to a lot are, you know, we are the, the ones that probably had the most of this like Wonder Woman complex put upon us because I know like when I was growing up, it was never really a question of like, if I would go to college, it was only like where I would go to college. The expectation was definitely like, you will go, you'll get educated, you know, you're going to, you're going to work and everything. And it was just like, it was never an optional type of thing, which is fascinating because neither my mom or my dad had a college education, but my paternal grandfather did. So there was a definite, you know, push on education and everything. But I know, you know, when my mom uh, was, you know, kind of like out in the early, early work world, she said, you know, the only thing women could be were teachers, nurses and secretaries. Yeah. Those were the options. And my mom is a frustrated architect. Actually, she designed a house that we lived in with the architects, you know, that that actually did it. So then she was going in and tweaking things. And so I feel like many times, like our mothers, you know, wanted things for us that they just didn't have the ability to achieve. So there was that kind of like push for their daughters to go get the brass ring, you right. know, to, to have it all. 
you know, you can, you can work, you can be a wife, you can be a mom. And what that really resulted in was, you know, this, this generation, this Gen X being one of the most burnt out, medicated, frazzled and unhappy group of women out there because we were told that we could have it. So why wouldn't we believe that? Right? Like we have all this opportunity. We have all of these things that are now open to us. But once we got in it, we realized like, Oh my God, like I'm half-assing everything. Right. Right. We didn't feel like we were being great employees once we had kids, because then we were trying to figure out how do we juggle kids into the job? And we sure felt like we were being terrible moms if we were working because Oh, we're sending our kids off to daycare. And that was, right. you know, fraught with its own dramas. And then in terms of being a spouse, it was like, well, you know, between work and the kids, like, what do I have left, you know, to, to give here? And again, you know, this was still this emerging time of this, like men are going to do half and <laughs> like early nineties, right? right. So, Maybe they were helping out, but it was just so much more difficult because, you know, there was not that flexibility with employers. And right. I remember like definitely being perceived once I had kids career wise of like being on the mommy track, you know, and it's, it's interesting. I've talked with my, uh, my sister-in-law who's actually, she's an attorney and we had a long conversation about this. Um, we're same age and everything. So she said too, when she had kids, she was like going to be up for partner in her practice. And she took a maternity leave, but continued working the whole time through it, as many of us did, right? right. Like, what is maternity leave? There was there was no FMLA right. or anything. I mean, I lost my first job, or I lost my job when I had my first child, actually. Wow. Um, and so we were talking about like how she got passed over for being a partner, even though she had done more work in her maternity right. year in terms of billable hours and everything than her colleague that did get it. And they pretty much just told her like, well, you have kids now. And so it's very interesting to me talking then with the, the younger generation, you know, um, the, the, uh, the ones that are just on that cusp of millennial or right. whatever is underneath that, that um, like my stepdaughter is one of them. And I always say like, you know, you don't realize how fragile some of these things are because they've happened, you know, within the last 20 years. And so I feel like women in this Gen X group, we're really kind of still struggling now to figure out who are we right. and what we actually want, because we were just, you know, it was that push, push, push and pull in every direction. And, and we were forced to try to figure out how to juggle these things because our employers certainly weren't helping us juggle them. Um, spouses were doing, you know, what they could. But again, there wasn't that flexibility for guys to say like, oh, my kid's sick. I need to for stay sure. The response would be, well, what about your wife? Right? Like they, that would be the response. That's right. Yeah. The expectation was still that the child care was largely the woman's responsibility, even though, you know, we were doing all the things, you know, too. So I feel like it's very interesting. Our kids don't necessarily understand that because we're the ones that kind of paid that price for right. it. And again, we didn't have time to stop and think about what it really was that we wanted or to even make space for ourselves. So this whole topic of, you know, self-care and everything is something that feels 
a little foreign to most of us because we weren't afforded that luxury (laughs) at all when we were in the heat of it. So now that we're finally at this you know, midlife, you know, which is, which is really not midlife. (laughs) Midlife is really at like 35. Yeah. I say that we said you and I said that in the off camera. Yeah. If we're truly dividing that up, you know, we're, 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 like you say, we're more, more days behind us than ahead of us, but we're now finally at this place where maybe we have a little more breathing space to step back, but so much of our identities were perhaps wrapped up in, you know, parenting or in our career, but we're realizing like that that's not giving us that happiness and joy. And so now what do we really want? You know, now that that mirror is being held up real close of, Hey, you know, if you're going to figure this out now, now is the time to figure it out. Um, And I, so I think that there's some very unique um, challenges for for gen x and uh that's why I, I love doing what i do because we all deserve to find what that happiness is what that joy is what what is the legacy that that we want to to leave and you know the time is now you know it's a lot of what i talk about of not not delaying any longer um what you want to do because there's never going to be a right time there's never going to be a good time nope. there's only now, right, right now. now. I always say today is your tomorrow, right? Exactly. We said tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. But I th- you hit on so many powerful things because, again, our parents, and even more so, I believe, like you said, with the women, when I was a young dad, right, you were supposed to do 50-50. And I did change diapers and I did, but I didn't, if the kids were sick, I didn't leave work. Yeah. It was just assumed that the kid's mom would leave work and lose her hours or whatever that was. It just was. So because they wanted you to go to school and raise your kids and be the best wife or or whatever it was, now here you are in your late 40s, mid 50s, and you're like, what does self-care really look like? Am I allowed to just be happy to find joy or am I supposed to now maybe w- watching my grandchildren all the time or what does my career look like? Or, or <laughs> I don't want to do that either. <laughs> but but I'm just these are things that people battle and I do have friends. They're now raising their grandkids. Hell no. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, like you say, it's that it's that sandwiching thing that happens. And I think a lot of it does come around like no one taught us about boundaries, especially as women, as Gen X women, a boundary. What is that? You just keep saying yes. Right. Like you keep. <laughs> You keep taking on more, you keep saying yes, because that's the expectation. And, you know, we were still brought up in that people pleasing thing. And and that I remember hearing that, you know, like good girls are, you know, seen, but not heard. Like oh, yeah. I still remember that, you know, mentality, you know, being out there and everything too. And like, don't be too much. And it, so it's just like, it's so much of that programming that we got you know, as younger kids that then once we moved into adulthood, it's like, oh, well, this, this is what I know. It's, I know it's not really serving me, but I don't know how to stop. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so what we're finding, right. I'm sure both of us sit with our men and women that are trying to seek out what, what does that look like? What, what is, I would say joy. So one of the first things I ask people to do is literally write down 10 things that they enjoy doing. How many people can make that list? I was just going to say, yeah. It's, I mean, on the other side of the Zoom, there's a lot of crocodile tears. Mm-hmm. 
because you've been for the women, Billy's mommy, you've been the spouse, right? You've been to all the PTA meetings. And we talked about this. You went to every little league game, football game, basketball game, volleyball game, choir event. You went to all of them. You didn't begrudge that. But now you're 20, 25 years later and you don't look or feel like you did. And you don't remember what it's like not to be Mrs. Jones or Billy's mommy, which you can still be them or you are them. Go ahead. Yeah. I think that that's, that's really huge. You know, that was one big shift that I noticed when my kids, you know, were out of high school is that my friends were all of <laughs> the parents of their teammates or right. their classmates or whatever, because that does become so much of, of your life and everything. So then once they're gone, you're, you're then sitting there facing not only the loss of your children being around, but you're also facing the loss of just like the things that filled your time and, and those friendships really that you formed you know, through your kids' activities and everything are are then gone too. So that that I think for me was the most shocking thing of becoming an empty nester was that really realization of it's not just my kid that's gone. It's like my whole social life. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's when when we when I talk about um, getting effed up, one of the F's is friends. And mm -hmm. as an adult, you have to be very intentional at building those friendships because you're not sitting in the stands anymore. And it's extremely difficult to make new friends often at this phase of life, especially depending upon where you live. You know, like I'm in Iowa um, and I wasn't a very small town. Uh, now I'm in, in Des Moines, so a little bit bigger. But it's it's hard to to find those adult friendships Um when you get a little older and you would think that social media and everything would make that easier. Um, but I've not found that to necessarily <laughs> be true. So that's one of the things like that I, as I, I continue to grow and do what I do, I'm very interested in creating like that uh, social network option right. for women too, because I think it's, it's so critical and so important to have you know, those people close to you, um, or that you can at least reach out to via, right. you know, text or whatever. Um, and finding people that truly have similar interests right. <laughs> to you, which, you know, again, like once we get to this phase, we're like, what am I interested in? Like you said, people can't even talk about what they, they enjoy doing. So, right. um, community is so, so important, I think. Um, and I, I really want to work in that arena more. Yes, I would agree. Are you familiar with Blue Zones? Yes. So in Blue Zones, he talk, Dan talks about um, three things that the centurions, so the people that live over 100 years old, mm -hmm. and that they move their body every day. They learn every day, and they have a sense of community. Mm -hmm. Those three things, and they talk about being the elders, right, so that the children come and talk to them or and things like that, and they just pass on their wisdom oftentimes. I think that's – and I think my friend Pastor John would tell you, that's why people kind of go to, toward church because there is a community, whether you you know, and that's where you go. But I think we can create those communities as well. Like uh, I had my first retreat in October in San Antonio, Texas, and the Trailblazers, which is my community, they were more excited about meeting each other than meeting me, and I hadn't met many, which is great. I mean, if I can be the connector of people, then you know you've done your job, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. What is one of the um, – you talked about, the, you know, 
being a mom and being the president of the PTA and being the president or vice president or being passed over for jobs because you've got children, right? Very common, actually, unfortunately. When somebody comes to you, what do you find is the first thing that they're trying to overcome or figure out? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, Because everyone has their own, you know, kind of like unique place. But I think most often what the women that I work with come to me with is just saying like, I just, I, I don't know what I want. Right. And really like, that's not a true statement. <laughs> They're not ready, really even emotionally ready to express what they want. Yeah. It's more like most often I find like that they do know what they want, but they're afraid right. of, of what might be necessary to get there. Or uh, again, boundaries, like they don't know how to, you know, go about making these changes and implementing these things without, because they're, they're concerned, like still about people pleasing, right? Like right, right. Underlying thing. Like, I know I'm not happy and I know I need to make changes, but I don't know how to do them without <laughs> pissing everybody off. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> well, that's step, step one, right. Is realizing, um, I just, and you're going to piss somebody off along yeah, the way. I, just, people. I talked about this last night, actually to another group. Um, and it was, it was such a great analogy that came to me over the weekend. We were visiting some friends and uh, we were driving around and and they were like, oh yeah, you know, like, well, we have these two ponds, right? And, and the ducks are over here in one pond and the geese are over here in another. And like, for whatever reason, they don't like really seem to commingle. And he said like, yeah, if you're driving down the road, you know, and the ducks are on the road, they'll like scurry and hurry to, to get out of your way. And he said, but if you're driving and one of those geese is there, the geese will just turn at you and look at you like, I'm in the road. (laughs) What are you going to do about it? I'm here. And I was like, Oh, wow. Right. Like how many times do we spend our life like ducks, right? Right Moving to accommodate everyone else to, to get out of the way, to not cause a problem, you know, scurry, scurry versus like, we probably should behave a little more like geese sometimes. Right. And figure out like, this is what I need to do right now. And I'm sorry that it's a slight inconvenience for you, but I'm going to do what I need to do right now. Right. And I think that that's such an empowering thing. And again, women struggle with like feeling they're being bitchy or whatever, but it's like, you don't, you can do that in a way that doesn't, doesn't come across that way. Right. Like standing in your power isn't that way. And I oftentimes tell them because again, men seem to have this figured out a lot better than women do. Cause I always say like, granted, yes, when women do things, they can be perceived differently. But I often say like, would a man like tolerate that? Right. Like, no, a man's not going to tolerate that. Right. So it's okay. Like men are human too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I totally am not a man basher at all, but I love to use them as an example of, calling in that that male energy because we all have male and female energy right so a lot of times um you know for for women to kind of set those boundaries i always say like you just have to call in a little more of that that male energy and that male presence and just articulate what it is that you want and need and stop assuming that people are going to be mad at you for that 
right? That's where I'd say step into being a badass. That's what I talk. That's the power I try to get people to do, right? Is to stand yeah. in their prowess and who they are and owning. It. It's difficult. It's scary. It's really yeah, and I think you know, like I, I go, I understand where you're going with that term, but I think too, like a lot of women don't want to do that. They don't want to be that badass. And I mean, right. I can't tell you how tired I am of these terms of like boss babe and yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> hustle and everything. Like, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> we can still be in our feminine selves, sure. but hold power and authority, and we don't have to be badassy or bitchy or any of those things like we can just hold our power and hold our authority and it's like you know like you we've all met people right that when they walk into a room like you just kind of like you you get their energy like they just hold this authority and that's that's really what it is it's just like holding your authority right yeah but but you're allowing them to learn how to do it because totally. they probably yes. never done it. Oh, before. right. Exactly. Because it's scary, right? It's scary to to do these well, things and to It's very emotional oftentimes. I mean, there's a lot of emotions that come up with that. Yes. You yes. know, and, and even potential where you feel like you're still disappointing your mom and dad. And even if they're not alive anymore, like, well, that's not what mom said or what dad said mm -hmm. or what they, like you said, uh, seen and not heard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, to an analogy with, well, with food is that we learn our eating habits as children, but our dietary needs change as we age. So your, your emotional needs are changing as you age. Yeah. And this is where we're trying to allow you to step into that and own it. Yeah. And wh whether that looks like adding some more masculinity or, you know, just stepping up and being a strong, powerful yeah. woman and still being feminine, whatever that looks like for you. Well, I mean, you've touched on a great, great topic there too, that that really it plagues everyone right but talking about you know food and emotion and everything and you know i've i always said like very few people in the united states eat because they're truly hungry right <laughs> you know we eat because it's the time to eat because it's the social thing because we have some emotional need that food is going to help cover for us right. And that term like emotional eating has gotten such a bad rap really over the years. And I, it, I don't think it's necessarily deserved, right? Because you and I have talked about this um, off camera as well about, you know, talking about the value of food, not just in terms of its caloric content, right? right? And so much of this diet culture garbage is just only focused around, you know, the macronutrients know. and, the, you know, uh, you know. <laughs> I could go on ad nauseum about that. And the calorie content is like, no, the, the value of food, you have to look at what is the social, emotional, mental value of food as well. Right. Um, so I know you and I talked about this, like, you know, if you go out to dinner with your spouse and afterwards, you know, you, you sit around and you enjoy a glass of wine and you talk about some really like, you know, deep, heavy topics that, that you needed to talk about or that that you just share like really openly with uh, each other and enjoy that moment, you know, I would argue that the glass of wine is very worth all, oh. all of the other stuff because it, it had such a high social, emotional and mental plus to it, right? So this this whole 
term of emotional eating and and let's face it like most alcohol is we're not consuming it <laughs> for physical reasons right right, right, right. <laughs> we're right. consuming it because we want to relax because we want to unwind because we want to have a good time right. you know like whatever so just you know just accept that that food has value outside of its macros and its calories and that you have to look at the whole picture. So this emotional eating thing, like it's only had a negative connotation. And I would like people to stop punishing themselves about that saying I'm an emotional eater. Like, obviously there are problems that come from that too. So I'm not saying don't address the problems, um, but I'm saying like, don't, don't let it rule your world either. Well, I, I, escaping the diet culture is huge in what I want to teach yeah. and help people. And I've used that since you and I talked about that off camera, the value so much and tried to paint a big a picture like wine and a fire and whatever. And like you said, having that conversation to me, that's the, the, I'll take that value way over counting. I hate counting macros and I don't teach it by the way, but yeah. anyway, I just love the whole concept. Do we have to be aware? Of course. At the same time, I have a, a client that's almost 70. And still talking about weight loss and things like that. I'm like, okay, do you really want to spend? And she's not heavy, but it's a, it's a perceived heavy. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. you, and uh, it's like, we're going to do what you need to do, but do you really want to spend the rest of your life on a diet? Yeah. <laughs> and here's, here's the other thing with that. Like, this is, this is a little bit more about my backstory. Yeah, so yeah. I used to compete right in fitness competitions and everything. And don't recommend. <laughs> we've talked about, we've talked about all, we should always just have the camera running. That's another talk. topic for another day. <laughs> um, but you know, you touch on this with, with your 70 year old client, right? Like so much of why women and what I found, why I, I focus more on the mindset part of it is like so many women, especially came with this idea of if I lose 10, 20, 30 pounds, I'm going to be happy. Right. The reason I'm not happy with my life is because I'm carrying this extra weight. So my, my backstory is that when I did my first competition, arguably, you know, I'm in the best shape of my life, right? right. Like you are, right. your, your tone, your lean, super lean, you know, um, and I'm in the best shape of my life. And I was miserable. Yeah. Right. I was absolutely miserable. I got divorced like three months later. Oh, wow. So like attaining, and I, I went into competing because I wanted to control something in my life. Sure. There's nothing better for a control freak than to go <laughs> into <laughs> to co- compete. Yeah. Which is again, why I don't recommend it at all. Um, so I, I always use that and say, like, look, if if happiness was just about being a certain size or that you're going to get happy, it's not. I promise you that is not the answer because I saw it happen over and over and over again. Like right. that is not going to make you any happier because the shit that you have at this weight is still going to be there <laughs> when you're 20 or 30 pounds lighter. So if you don't deal with what's going on up here, I promise you, you're going to be the same miserable day to day, just wearing a smaller pair of pants. Exactly. The most valuable real estate you own is between your ears. And that's where we both approach 
and of our coaching is that emotional state. What are you? What do you believe? What are you willing to overcome or work through? Yeah. But, and it, it really angers me a lot, actually, like the competition world, but then a lot of like just fitness coaching. And I know like this is why you and I are so drawn to each other because we believe the same thing, but it really makes me angry because there's so much out there that's predatory. Oh, that, you know, is using, you know, the, the pain of these women and exploiting it to right. line their own pockets. Um, so, so that's, that's very frustrating because I see it and I, I feel like Gen X women are very ripe for this right now too, because guess what? We're all going into menopause. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. And you know, <laughs> and you know what, when you read or a marketing book, it tells you to prey on that. A hundred percent. And the that, marketers are going to tell you to do that. That's super sick, honestly, to me, because again, it's like, yes, we, we are going into menopause. So we're all going to start having these body shifts and right. everything. Um, but again, like just losing the weight isn't, isn't going to make you happier. It's not going to fix your marriage. It's not going to um, repair even your self-esteem, honestly, right. because you probably had something else that was going along, you know, prior to that. Um, it's, it's not going to make you day to day happier. And it, it so frustrates me because I see so many women chasing that carrot with the feeling that, 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 that's the magic, yeah. magic pill. And it is highly predatory. That's, I feel the whole competition world is very predatory too. Um, cause it, it again, preys on women's, you know, perceived shortcomings. So I, I'll, the story I always tell people is like, so when I did my first competition, I'm five feet eight and my stage weight was 119 pounds. And I had judges comments that told me I needed to get leaner. Yeah. So you want to talk about screwing with your head, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, at, at five, eight, you were lean. Yeah. Big was, time. My Nike like, compression shorts were baggy on me. Yeah. I'm not lying. That's yeah. a true story. But, but yet <clears throat> your, your comments come through, get leaner. So it's so predatory of like, just playing on your insecurities, playing on, you know, like if you attain some subjective goal, right? That you're that you're gonna be woohoo. So when it comes to like the physical aspect for me and, and the people, I just want you to be able to eliminate um lifestyle medication. Oh, exactly. right. I always tell people, I'm not a doctor, I will never tell you to stop taking your medication. But if you're type two diabetic, that's lifestyle. Mm, yep. And uh, blood if, pressure a lot of times. Right. Those are two the two main ones, right? Yeah. Sometimes cholesterol too, depending. Um, so those three, again, I can't tell you to not take your meds, but I know that when we get off the couch, it was one of the first things I say. So just walk more. <laughs> you know, it sounds easy till it isn't. Mm -hmm. And then to eat food in the least processed way. That's really the key. Cause I always say there's no Dorito tree. <laughs> and there ain't really no onion in a funion. Now I've eaten both of those before, but mother nature didn't make them. Scientists right. understand that sugar and fat taste good. Your brain wants more of it. You know, this isn't really about just food, there, but I mean, go ahead. There's a great book out there. Um, I think it's called mindless eating. Um, and there is a, it's a lot of studies, but it's yeah. not a, it's not a scientific journal type of thing. It's very easily readable, but they actually did um, a study where they were testing basically the addictive, the addictiveness of different substances, right? So they set the study up where they had rats that 
in order for the rat to get another dose or whatever of what was being tested, the rats had to push a lever. So they would spread it out and make them push the lever more and more times to get the next, you know, feeding or dosage of whatever was being tested. So one of the substances that they tested was this combination of sugar, fat, and salt. So it was a a liquid sugar, fat, and salt. So of all of the substances they tested, sugar, fat, and salt, the rats would push the lever 113 times in between dosages to get it. It was the second most addictive substance that they tested. Would you like to guess what the most addictive substance was? Okay, tell me, what was the most addictive substance? Cocaine. And the rats would push the lever like 115 times to get cocaine. So that tells you like what sugar, fat, and salt. Wow. I had no, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a fascinating book. I believe it's called Mindless Eating. I wrote it down to go ahead and Um, and look up. But yeah, so it it comes back to like food manufacturers are, are programming you, right? They know how to hit all of those dopamine receptors and everything that's out there. So I always tell people too, like, you wouldn't expect someone that was addicted to cocaine to just get off it on right. their own, right? So you can't expect yourself to just get off right. sugar, fat, and salt. You know, you've got to you've got to really be conscious about it, and you probably need a coach or somebody to to help you figure out how to change your behavior because you also can't just take it away. Because okay, cold, have, I was just going to say, cold turkey is not the have, answer. We have horror Being vacuum. Stronger. What's that? Oh. Willpower will run you into a tree, my friend. It, it will. Um, but yeah, you 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 can't just create a vacuum. You can't take it away and create a vacuum and everything. No. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating, fascinating stuff about how how those you know chemicals react and and how powerful they really are right. over us. Sure. My dad, who passed away about six years ago, was morbidly obese. He was a physician, so scientifically he understood. Mm-hmm emotionally he didn't or couldn't because food was his drug of choice. Right. And, it, and as, as long as he had $5 and could go through a drive through, nobody was going to tell him no. It's probably $10 today. I have no idea, but you know, nobody was going to tell him no. And I think that is also drives me because he and I had great conversations about getting off the couch, eating responsibly, community, all the things we talk about, but he didn't know how to, ask for help or it wasn't the right time. Wait, it's a different time. Does that make sense? So it's like, right. Um, I I love the fact that you said going cold Turkey is not the answer. Willpower will run you into it or, you know, lack of willpower thinking, you know, that's where I think that coaches, coaches are important. The right coaches. I love that you said transformational guide. I, I wrote, I love that because isn't that even what your volleyball, basketball, gymnastics coach, aren't they really transformational guys? They guide you. They watch your form. They tell you how to do A, B, and C to make you perform better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I I thought about it too. Like, you know, when you go out, um, my husband does a lot of like serious hiking and and climbing and stuff like that. And and they take guides, you know, with them when they go on really particularly difficult routes, right? Because the guide knows the way. The guide knows the best path 
to get there. The guy knows what to do if shit goes south. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the guide is there to help them achieve their goal, but also to kind of like watch over and protect them a little bit. And For that's sure. really what I, I do view myself as like, I'm, I'm here to help you get to where you want to be. And, you know, guide you back onto the better path if shit goes south. (laughs) I love that. So I I talk about troughs, right? So it's again, shit goes south. So highs and lows come, they're going to come. It's going to happen. You're going to set a goal. You're going to set a dream and somewhere you're going to get knocked down. And that's where that transformational guide is going to pick you up or avert you sometimes from running into the potential tree. Right. right. Like, like, don't go this way. Let's yeah. go this way. It might look easier this way, but it's actually better this way. Exactly. And it might take a little longer. That's right? also one of the harder parts, right? In coaching, it's like, you know, marketing's like, oh, it should be done in six minutes or six days. Yeah. yeah but that's not really true. Yeah. It, no. It's a, a step, one step, another step, a little bit every single day, reevaluating, looking back where you were. And I always ask and start with, what went well this week or in the two weeks since we talked, which by the way, at first is very hard. Mm-hmm. People always can tell you where they quote unquote failed. Yeah. But let's talk about your successes. Look at the barriers. What prevented you from achieving A, B, and C? And can we avert them in the next opportunity, right? And that's what the guide does for you. Yeah. You got to build that positive momentum because once you get some wins on the board, as small as they may be, like a win is a win is a win. And you're and right. And it doesn't matter how we big or small. To celebrate those. And women especially are not taught to celebrate those. Yeah. Be so in- be, don't be braggy. <laughs> don't, I know. Don't be braggadocious, right? So you, it, so I, it's almost like every night in my in our private group, I ask them to share a yay for the day, which is an attitude of gratitude. It's just trying to be cute, right? Yep. And then I even put like the science behind it. And still, there are certain people that are in and the other one's like, this is just a load of crap. But when we start to see them, our we, our brain starts to see them more, right? And exactly. I said it can be as easily easy as that you had your hands full and you were walking in somewhere and somebody opened the door. That's a yay. Or maybe you helped somebody who had a baby stroller and, you know, another two kids on their side, which would have been the way my, my kids are all 18 and 17 months apart. So I was super young. They're probably like, oh man, what is this kid doing? He needs to learn how to buy birth control. But anyway, but opening the door, could or having the door open could be the yay. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be super big. It could be the fact that you just didn't scream at your boss today who just pissed you off too, right? Having the self-control to not lose your job. I don't know. Like right. what, whatever that is. I, th- I, we could go on all day. We could, we could go. <laughs> and, and so I hope that um, you and I, I know are going to connect and we'll figure out another opportunity for 2023 perhaps to do that. So Sherry, if people want to be able to get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing and who you are, how can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at the Gen X Whisperer. You can also find my website, which is just SherryVanAntwerp.com. Excellent. Can I ask you just a couple questions about you? You bet. Okay. What's your favorite eighties movie? <laughs> oh boy. Gosh, there's, that, there's so many, probably Christmas vacation. Right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have known that. I should, I should know that. Um, is there a book that you tend to recommend to your clients, one that you think is transformational in their growth and their process? There is a book that I I love, um, and it's one that uh, you don't love because we've talked about this already, but oh, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Uh, you have to be okay with 
very, uh, very strong language um, in it. But that book, I, I just personally, I, it's a, it has an amazing story as well, um, a backstory about overcoming a lot of childhood trauma um, as well. Uh, but otherwise, because um, he's not everyone's cup of tea. I will say that he's not everyone's cup right. of tea. Um, I always, you know, like a good Atomic Habits as well. I, that's why I, I love that. I did not want to read Atomic Habits and now I wrote a mini ebook about it. I mean, it's a great book. Yeah. When I finish, I think I'm reading Personality Isn't Permanent by Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who I absolutely love his stuff. Um, when I'm done with that, I'll go back because you've, you and I have now mentioned it twice. Can't hurt me. So I'll, I'll listen. And I actually like the audible version better than reading it because in the audible version, um, it's set up almost like in an interview format and right. Goggins goes and uh, freestyles, um, a lot of extra stories and background that aren't actually in the written book. Now that part of that, uh, that idea has conjured up where I want to go with some of the stuff I want to do. Yeah. Because I've written, I've penned many eBooks that are finally going to come out on all kinds of different subjects. Cause that's my create, my creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Or one of them is right. If you had one piece of advice or one thing that you could tell a Gen Xer, on how to live their best life, what would it be? And we'll end on that. Ooh, well, my tagline is let go, let love. Well, I absolutely love that. Let go, let love. Could it get any better than that? I mean, to me, that I, one of my things to say almost at the end of every one of my podcast um, videos is to tell those you love, you love them and never assume they know. It kind of fits, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Keep it right. simple. <laughs> keep, it, keep it simple. Hey, be sure to check out Sherry. You'll love her reels, by the way. I absolutely love them. And we talked about that earlier too. She is a great human. She's creating great people or helping people create the life they love, just like we are in the Trailblazer community. So Sherry, thank you so much and go be amazing. Thanks, Dane. Hey, I want to take a moment. Beautiful Gen X badass. I want to invite you to literally join our community of Gen X badasses. It's literally called Gen X badasses, where we get off the couch, we eat responsibly, we create a vivid vision for our lives, so we create the life we love, all to add years to our lives. We build community, we build hope, we build dreams, and literally in the show notes, it's an opportunity to join, to connect. In my business, in my vision, in my future, I want to create relationships with you, the listener, the follower, the dreamer, the believer, the doer, a foot wide and a mile deep. And it literally starts by jumping in for absolutely free. Where again, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to share even more than the podcast, going live, challenges, you name it, it's there. Things that are going to allow you to dream big, dream often, and dream out loud. And I'll be there every day to remind you to be the badass you're born to be. So click the link in the show notes. What's the best that can happen? If you're hearing this message, you have just finished an entire episode of Turn Positivity into Possibility. And for that, I want to say thank you from the bottom of me, corazón, from the bottom of my heart. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Please share this episode with three Gen X badasses in your life. Hey, let's connect on Instagram at Dane Boyle Coaching. One last thing before I say adios, be sure to tell those you love you love them and never assume they know. Go be amazing.